Hey, what's up, guys? This is Woody Landeros. You guys are watching and listening to Shut Up and Fail. Today, I have somebody here. It is a beyond pleasure to have you here, Alec Alvarez. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Woody. I mean, thank you for coming over to the studio. And, you know, I'm really looking forward to this interview. So yeah, I I really do appreciate you, you know, giving giving me the time to be able to interview you. It's actually really exciting because out of all the people that I've ever interviewed, I've really interviewed people around my age. And so, you know, you're you're a lot older than the people I've interviewed and it's just like, you know, for me this is it's huge because I feel like I'm always doing the the convincing of saying like, "Oh, please come on my podcast. Please come on my podcast." And to have you here, it's just like a big validation of okay, it's, you know, it's something like I've, I've made a, a presence, you know, for shut up and fail. So I do really appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I hear what you have done and uh, we have a common friend who actually also did uh, this podcast, you know, Will Santos, and uh, who actually is here in the studio. And I heard your work and I was really impressed. So congratulations on that. I think it's an amazing initiative. I know you are young and now I feel old, but uh, you know, <laughs> no. young in the spirit, not as kid. Yes, but fantastic. You know, thank you very much once again to having me over here. And, yeah. I mean, thank you. And we kind of touched a little bit in the beginning. He is a composer, but before we talked about this, before we came on the podcast, it was, um, I said, can I call you a composer? And he said, well, you specialize in, and yeah. I would like for you to kind of touch on, on that. Yeah, I'm a composer who specializes in film and TV. So, you know, music for the screen, anything related, uh, you know, to motion in the pictures, that's what I do. So, I mean, there is a difference between composer and film composers. I mean, you need to have, you know, certain abilities and you need to go through a process of understanding uh, you know, how to approach uh, music into film. It's different to be, you know, a concert composer, like, you know, a classical trained composer that uh, write music, you know, specifically for the concert than writing music for film. Some composers can do both. Some cannot, well, they can do one, but not the other. So it's just, mm -hmm. for me, it's always been, I mean, you need to have certain taste and center understanding to what's happening in the dramatic situation on the comedy or whatever, you know, in a film or on a TV show or on a video game to understand how to approach music. I think the big difference is like uh, you are part of a team. I mean, when you're a composer writing your own thing, you know, sitting in your, in your room, I mean, you're writing only for you and you expect that people actually enjoy it. When you're working on a film on a TV show, you are, you know, part of the team of an editor, of a director, of the actor. So you, you are in an environment you need to please not only yourself, but everybody else. And mm -hmm. uh, that's important to understand. And for me, the best film composers or TV composers are those who create beautiful and great and super high quality music, but still understanding and into function into the film. What is important is when they see the film, when they see the the visuals when everything actually works perfectly with each other. Mm -hmm. So that's the main difference. So having that, that sense of collaboration yeah. and being aware of the other artists. So when, when you're doing this, and I'm complete newbie in, in hearing about any of this, um, where, when do they call you? Is it before or after the film or 
At what point are they are they contacting you to be able to do some things like this? All depends of who is calling you. If it's a director that you have worked before, you know it. I mean, probably you you'll know that something is being worked on, and then sorry, they're main by you to, you know, to read the script, or maybe when they are shooting, okay, you come over. But I, in my case, I mean, everybody has different methods. I don't write anything until I kind of see at least the first cut of the film, so I can start getting. You know, some understanding of the pace, the colors, where mm -hmm. he's going for, you know. So for me, it's very important to see, you know, what is happening there. There are certain people, there are occasions where you can actually, or they actually ask you, can you write something? Here is a script. I just want to make sure that I have a piece of music that inspired me to give me. I say, oh, of course, mm. you know, let's do it. Usually, composers are involved in the project during the post-production uh, stage. So that means where you know they are editing and they are working in the sound design and they're already editing dialogue. That's where the composer, you know, comes in. Before mm -hmm. that, production, pre-production, again, all depends of the relationship you have. If I'm, if somebody is calling me, sometimes you know, directors they don't have any idea who is going to call where they are actually filming. And even when they get so, oh, man, I don't want to call the guy that I worked before because he's busy or because she, you know, is not available right now. Mm -hmm. um, and that's what you're actually getting, yeah. Wow. We, what we work on on the side is um, we do video production mm -hmm. and it's it's more of on, on a smaller scale. So we don't do long form, you know, documentaries or films. And we get a lot of revisions. So I could just imagine <laughs> the amount of revisions that come into your hands. Yeah, we do, and uh, and again, you know, it's just different for everyone else. I mean, sometimes you get directors that you know let you go freely, and then you do what you do, and then you all know, review it and say, you know, I'm not too sure about this, and it's a very sorry, very small revision. Uh, so no, it's just crazy. You can go on and on and on and on, and you know, composers, we need to be also psychologists because you need to understand, you know, how to handle a situation because it could get really intense. I mean. Music in film and on TV, and we can call this into visuals, you know, if you want to, you know, everything, video games, uh, uh, TV series, uh, movies, whatever, um, it's very abstract. So think about this. A director, he's able to direct uh, the actor. He can come to the editor and say, cut here and here. And then if you hear an explosion, you know, so he knows that something's going to explode. So, you know, the, the sound designer, the sound guy is going to bring an explosion with music. There is nothing, just, I mean, no idea how you're going to approach the film. I mean, what's going to happen? And, you know, especially uh, many times they come with something what is called the temp track. They temp, you know, they use some temporary music, uh, you know, to edit and to get a feel. But when you come to write original music, that's why they hire you to write original music. Something new is going to come. So, you know, you can see the reactions, you know, when I'm playing, uh, you know, to someone for the first time, okay, come to the studio and we're going to play, you know, the opening of the film. They, you can see people, oh my gosh, this is great. Some are like, what is going over here? What is this? You know, I mean, they, and then, you know, depending on the reaction, you got to come and say, listen, listen again. And you need to explain why, why you're using that approach. So, I mean, it's pretty interesting. And, you know, I, that's what I love so much this process, just get to work with different kind of people and every project is different. So it's pretty exciting, you know, keep me, I don't get bored. <laughs> Sounds extremely exciting. Yeah. Cause you know, when we have, cause usually we'll, we'll do the same thing. We'll go out to film and then we'll try to find a song that fits it. But I could just imagine if I had, if you had somebody to actually write just for that, for that film, mm -hmm. which is really, really cool. 
So I want to bring it back just a little bit because I feel like I, I, uh, I brought the viewers and the listeners just right deep into it. Um, where did, how did you, how did you first start out doing any of this stuff? Yeah, I come from a musical family. Um, none of them were professional musicians or anything like that. But I grew up like, you know, my, my grandfather, he was an immigrant in Venezuela. I'm original from Venezuela, as you can see. I have a very thick accent and um, uh, he loved classical music. So I used to wake up and again, coming from Ukraine, you know, his composers were like Prokofiev, Stravinsky, Shostakovich, Tchaikovsky. So I remember waking up since I was a kid, you know, that he was listening to those records all over, all over. And then, you know, I mean, just stuck to me. And then, you know, my uncle played piano. Um, like a lot of the friends, they got together at home and they just, you know, were playing piano and singing. So I grew up into that. The story is like, you know, of course, okay, Elik, you need to go and, you know, take piano lessons. So I used to hide, you know, when mm -hmm. the teacher was coming, I used to hide somewhere else, you know, behind the couch because I hated, I didn't want to, you know, do that. I want to just go outside and play and things like that. But little by little, you know, start playing little tunes and then kind of went through the little, you know, kid, like eight, nine, 10, 11 years old, classical training. And then I said, that's it. You know, I, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm going to do, I'm going to play rock and pop, you know, like mm -hmm. I just start getting into, uh, you know, middle school, and high school, and you want to be cool. And then, yeah. you know, I went to the rock band process. I always was playing keyboard. So I still was a little bit there. I wasn't as cool as the guitar player and things, or the drummer. <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, that evolved into me loving music, you know, me really thinking like, uh, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. And, you know, coming from Venezuela, like, uh, you know, the opportunities are not as big as he, uh, what we have here in the U.S. to develop yourself as an artist. I mean, uh, although it's great over there, but, you know, the resources resources are not as, uh, I mean, as available as what we have over here. That's what I think, you know, this is a great country for that. I mean, if you take advantage to what we have here. So I decide to, you know, I play in the, in the, um, uh, you know, some bands and did different kind of thing. And I decided just to come to the state to study at Berklee College of Music and do film scoring. So let me go back really quickly. The reason why I find out about this was because of The Simpsons. Like, for some reason, I love the opening theme. And I said, oh, wow, so this goes to this, and it's like an instrumental track. And then I went, oh, then, you know, you figure out, okay, then it's John Williams with Star Wars. Oh, my gosh, this is great. So it really caught my attention, the film scoring thing. So Berkeley has a great film scoring program. And then, you know, I was able to sell my car and ask for money and so I can go there. And then I got a scholarship over there. And, yeah, that's pretty much it. <laughs> wow. So how did you how did you balance? Because I know in the beginning when you're doing the the creative work and you're doing all that and you're trying to get your name out there as an artist, how did you balance the the creative side with the money side? Like when did you really start saying I charge for this or I you know? Because I feel like a lot of artists right now um, are asking how do I turn this into a full time job? Yeah. And then seeing you here in in Pasadena in your own studio and all of this stuff, it's like. How do you connect those two pieces together from somebody, you know, being in the rock band or in their in their studio to to getting to that point where you're um, where you're confidently charging? In? Yeah, very good question. I mean, it happens. You know, I think that. Well, I mean, that has so many answers in my opinion. Let me organize my thought. Um, I guess you know you you need to come upon where you feel like I'm very good at what I'm doing. You know, I think that you know I 
I'm valuable, and you know, I've been working really hard for this, and my time, you know, I need to charge for that, okay? I mean, that's one thing, like, you feel confident that you can come to someone and say, listen, I mean, you know, you want me to write a score? Well, you know, you have to pay, because, I mean, this is going to cost me money, time, and, you know, my work is, is valuable, and I think that, you know, have value. And everybody, I think, that should do that sooner than later. You know, that's one thing. I think that what happened, you want to get uh, your step on the door and get that great project that is going to catapult you, you know, to the next one. You just got to be really careful for how long you're going to do it because then people are going to say, oh, this is great. I'm going to call the free compulsor. And then when I have money, I'm going to call the guy who charged because he's mm. better. He's better because he charges. I mean, this guy, he's still trying to get in. That guy's already there. You can be really good, but you know the perception, how people, how professional people is going to perceive yourself is different. Um, this particular business, although it's very competitive, I mean, there is, a, you know, LA, Los Angeles, I mean, we have, you know, like ton of people writing music for film and TV. Um, you know, once you get in there, it's, it's a good avenue to make money. The reason why, and you know that happens also, you know, to you know record artists, they 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 recording a an album and then they want to license a song for the next big movie, you know, they could pay from ten thousand to five hundred thousand dollars to get you know that song because it's so popular, it's gonna do so much for the film, it's gonna cost cross promotion, you know, kind of deal like mm -hmm. oh, I have this great song um, on whatever film, and then okay, you have to pay for that. So on film. Unfortunately, budgets are coming down a little bit, but it tends to, you know, like it tends to be budget, you know, to pay for these things. Also, man, keep <laughs> You're shooting good. this. You're you know? good. Sorry, guys. You're good. This is me hitting the the microphone. If ah. you go, yeah, if you guys are listening through just the audio, it, it's it's just because the mics are kind of close. So yeah, so it's I'm, a new new space. The first time we're actually here at um at a studio. So. You know, the yeah. arrangement is a little bit different. <laughs> I'm, I'm kicking everything. So anyway, um, there is something called residuals. So when you write something for film and TV and they play all around the world, you keep make, making money for that. So it's lucrative when you get in there, when mm -hmm. you know how to get in there. I mean, uh, and thanks to the PRO, like the professional um, organizations who collect royalties, ASCA, BMI, and CSAC, we composers, if you get into the right project, could make a good living. So basically that's what it is, yeah. So I heard you say big break a few times mm -hmm. as a as a composer or musician or um whatever you call it. What did you did you feel that you had a big break in your career? No, I don't. I'm still working for it. Yeah. I mean, although I have done, you know, big projects and very prestigious things, uh if I say that I have my big break, then you know, yeah, I mean, I'm done. And from, from here, it's going to be easy, and it's not. I mean, I keep chasing the next thing and next thing. I mean, I work on very important projects and projects that have brought me, you know, like in my artistic, uh, uh, um, my inner artistic uh, itself as composer. Uh, I love what I've done on those, but, you know, there is always something else. I haven't got that huge, you know, a studio film just yet. Mm -hmm. And... You know, for me, it's just keep working every single day. Um, whatever projects I decide to do, I'll do my best. Doesn't matter how small it is, how big it is. Could be an independent movie, could be a movie with a big budget coming from a studio. So, but I think that you know the big break will be yeah. It comes to a point like you do one movie or one TV show that everybody knows about it. Maybe 
the music is not, not as good or as innovative like the small project that you did, like mm -hmm. the independent film that you, you know, director friend did his first film and you were able to write, you know, an amazing score because, you know, all the creative uses were there and all the freedom, freedom, you know, to write something and to collaborate with a director was there. Then you go to the big movie, to the huge one that everybody knows and then, you know, the score, it's okay, but everybody knows that you did it. So it's kind of mm -hmm. interesting, you know, how, what you're actually going to call your big break, you know? Yeah. You know, so. When I was looking at your, um, you know, your link and seeing all the, the things that you worked on, for me, it was like, oh my gosh. Is that me? Oh, sorry. We there we go. Okay. <laughs> kind of cut off for a second. Yeah. Um, so when I was looking at your stuff, I was just like, oh my gosh, so he's in this and this and this. And I was trying to find different key points to talk about. And, and I'm like, I just want to, I just want to ask him what, what your most, um, proud pieces of work were, <laughs> you know, because there's so many, I, I could come here and say you did Yu-Gi-Oh and you did this and that. And I think that's a very good, good question. Recently, and this is actually, you know, it's going to like a tie to what I was saying before. Uh, the Big Bray, I, I wrote a score for an independent film. It's in black and white. It's called El Baile, The Dance, from a Venezuelan director. So it's a collaboration between Mexico, United States, and Venezuela. And I, this actually, today's uh, Saturday, it actually premiered on, on Thursday in New York, in Brooklyn. And uh, that is a great example of something like I did and I have my open canvas to whatever I wanted to do. And the reason is because that's a director who really understood, uh, his name is Rino Arriaza, understood the art of film scoring. So we talk, I can, it's the first movie, so of course he wasn't, didn't have that many experience with, you know, of hiring a composer to original music, but he just trust me. And you say, you trust me on this. And then the result is like something very unique, something, you know, different, something like if uh, if the film does well, it's gonna get, in my opinion, a lot of recognition. So, yeah, I mean, that that, that come, came to mind because it came really recent, but you know, the same happened to me back in 2009 with another feature film uh, from Venezuela, which I kind of had the same, uh, the same freedom. And, you know, I was given a, you know, orchestra and work with the artists that I want to work, like, mm -hmm. you know, uh, well-known musicians and singers. Um, still, you know, it was an orchestral in instrument. The singer was just vocalizing. Um, and uh, and I, I, st I still hear the score. So <laughs> it's actually pretty good. <laughs> I mean, you know, being humble, but, you know, this is actually good. And the reason why is just you get that 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 uh, freedom for the director. So mm -hmm. I will say yes. I mean, and then, you know, comes the other, like, you know, the David Attenborough's uh, documentaries, you know, David is such an icon, you know, for nature documentaries. And uh, being able to, I've been able to work on like probably four or five of his uh, limited series documentary, you know, the company's based on London. And that also is really fun because of the style of music, like, you know, very big, melodic, you know, super um, dramatic and funny at the same time. And, you know, I get to work with orchestras and all that stuff. So, yeah. yeah. Do you get another sense of pride because it is from Venezuela? Oh, the, yes. I, yeah. mean, I mean, you know, you may know our country is going for such a bad time right now, political and economic. I mean, it's 
horrible. But still, there is people trying to make movies over there. You know, I mean, that's how powerful the media is. That medium is. Sorry. So yeah, of course. I mean, you know, my dream when I came to this country was I'm gonna work six months in LA, six months in Venezuela. That's what I wanted to do. Unfortunately, you know, the situation over there is just so bad that it just doesn't allow me to do that. But I still, you know, a lot of directors that you know we have um, uh, we know each other for a long time, or we just met because somebody recommended me. Uh, and they are there or somewhere else. I mean, they are doing Venezuelan movie. I love, I mean, that's my country. It's my yeah. people. So, yeah. And then I wanted to go back to when you said um, having that creative freedom from a director, that, that it's very important. But I, I want to just give you kind of like the open mic to be able to say if, a, if you did have a, a director in front of you and you were to tell him the value of giving you creative freedom and just kind of just kind of talk on that behalf. Yeah, I mean, all depends who is. I mean, if you come with somebody who has done this for many, 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 many years, and it's the first time that I work with uh, with that person, it's not gonna be easy. I mean, it's gonna because no, I have worked, I have done this and that, and this is the way I want it, and I hi- I hired you uh, to do this, so you do what I said in good terms. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm mm-hmm. not putting this in negative. I mean, it's part of the business. I will try, and as I said, listen, I mean, trust me on this. I mean, trust me, trust me. I can show some of my work. This is what I did for my past film. How about if we try something like this? No, 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 I'm still you to sound like this. I want the same score that this big composer did. Listen, okay, I understand that, so we can do that, but how about, so I try. I try to Mm -hmm. person. And sometimes, you know, it takes uh, a lot of energy and for me to spend more time than I'm required to do so, but I don't care. I just prefer just to try at least to to sell that idea. Uh, sometimes, I mean, uh, what you can do, and again, it takes time, and I'll, I can write two cues. I can just come and say, listen, this is what you wanted, and I respect that. It's great, but how about listen to this or take and tell me what you think? There you can get some reactions and say, wow, well, what? I kind of like that. What instrument is that? How you do you And then... You go from there, you know, basically. So it's, it's a more, battle. It's a battle, you know, with somebody who has done this for a long time with um, newer directors or younger directors. Probably, you know, they are open a little bit more to risk or to, okay, I'll find out, just do whatever you want to do, man. I just want to just get that, that that great score. I never have an orchestra in a film. And, you know, you're proposing all these great ideas with scenes and things, so they get more excited about it. So it all depends. So, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, it's just, it's just, you are dealing with so many different kind of people. Like, you know, you need to be able to manage the situation. That's what I say. You got to be a psychologist. Yeah, <laughs> definitely being a psychologist because when, you know, especially when you have somebody paying you, you know, to do a certain thing, then it's like, yeah, the, the only thing you could really do is just try to battle, try yeah. to wiggle, wiggle your, your creative ideas in there with, with theirs. Correct. But I'm a believer, like, even if you get somebody who is difficult, it's your job. Like I'm, I'm, I'm not considering myself somebody difficult. I consider myself somebody easygoing. That, but I want the job to be done. So I think it's my responsibility not to complain about it. It's just to say, you know what? Uh, I'll figure it out. And you bring that positive energy, trying to bring that confidence to that person. So mm-hmm. it's part of the job. I mean, it's part, it's part of all this great, you know, adventure which has become, you know, working in film and TV as a composer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So is there a difference between working in um, film and TV and then doing video games? Uh, yeah, I will say yes. I mean, I have done probably what, two, 
three video games, nothing big. I mean, the last one I did was Contra, Rogue. I mean, um, I'm, I'm, here's the deal. I'm not a video game player. I mean, I didn't grow up on that. I play a little small video games. So I think to, 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 you need to, to be a good uh, video game composer, you need to really like that and get into, oh my gosh, this new game. I'm not a guy. But I think that, you know, it's, you see a story. I mean, I think the technicalities could be different because some of the pieces, they have to loop, meaning like, a, you know, you need to make sure that you write the piece from the start to end, like when they come back, and it, it's going to make sense and, and replay and replay. Uh, so there's different technicalities. But, you know, the approach is uh, more generic in a sense because you're writing a piece of music to a mood. You don't know what the guy's going to be playing right now. You know, like he's going this and turning around and killing someone. The music is not really scoring a very particular moment right there. I mean, you are generically scoring the mood. Uh and film and TV, when you're scoring, you are scoring movement. You are, you know, for example, something's going to happen in a period of 30 seconds. So you are preparing your music to hit that 30 seconds. Mm -hmm. Like you and I are talking and our conversation start getting more intense, intense in a way that then I'm going to tell something to you that you don't want to like. I'm preparing this and it's going to happen like that when I tell you that and you react music right with you. In video games, they're shooting at each other or doing whatever. <laughs> I mean, you kind of, you know, are, are trying to, to write something uh, that is going to cover every, everything. So it's more atmospheric background. It is more, yeah, and then... more background. I mean, in video games, again, for three or four that I have done, there are different stages and like mm -hmm. comics inside. So you get also to score stories, but that goes like, you know, when you finish a level, they tell you a story, so you score that one, and then you go to another level. I mean, that's internally, that's what happened. But, you know, in a movie, you know, when you're scoring, it's just very tied to, to whatever is happening in the scene. I got to stop hitting this. <laughs> <laughs> you're good, you're good. So, um, I'm sorry, I'm kind of losing my train of thought for a sec. No. So, I, I wanted to ask a, a, a question, and I, wanted, I was going to just look back at my notes for it. So, if you were, if you were to go back... And, you know, barely when you're starting to do the, you know, scoring for TV and film, um, would you do anything differently? Absolutely. Super good question. I'm always been uh, not very good about networking and going to events and spending time, you know, going to all the film events and music events and meeting people and meeting. I'm not good at that. And the reason is because sometimes I feel a little bit of fakeness in the whole process. Like, you know, people is approaching you and you are approaching you with a very strict interest. I want to get something from you right away. I want you to hire me. So that energy never really quite, you know, like war with me. So I was standing, you know, and I'm going to tell you, I'm going to explain you exactly why I'm saying all this. I mean, um, uh, Right now, you know, I have my wife, I have two kids, so, so family for me is priority. So usually those events occur, you know, like at 6 p.m., 7 p.m., you got to drive, you know, Bourbon, Santa Monica, whatever. But I understood that it's absolutely necessary. I think that people who is uh, doing much better or a little bit better than me or, you know, they already have, uh, you know, twice as many credits that I have, they spend quite a lot of time working on that area. And it's part of the job. It's 
part of the job and you need to understand that. I remember my policies. I mean, she passed away last year, my dear Beth, uh, this year, let's say, Beth Krakower. She always tell me, Elik, you just need to not be Elik for an hour and that's <laughs> it, that's, that's what, what you need to do. So I will say like, um, now that I have a family for me, more, more difficult, you know, to go to those places because I want to be with Gabriel and Mila and my wife, uh, Sarai, and spend time with them. I will do more of that because the preparation as a musician, as a composer, uh, I think that uh, I've done what I plan to do and, you know, I'm never going to stop learning. I, you know, this is a process that will go until I'm very old. I mean... If you listen to uh, an interview by John Williams, you know, one of the greatest film composers alive and uh, will ever be, he still says, yeah, I'm still learning every day. I mean, a lot of humble there. I mean, so much respect for, for him for saying that. I mean, he's the basically the godparent of all of us and the one who has, you know, showed the way of this career uh, among, you know, many others, of course. But, uh, you know, he always says that and I'm a true believer of that. So yeah, that that probably does. I will try to push more in that networking and getting aggressive and thing like that. It's not that I and I don't do it or anything like that. Yeah, when I have to do it, but always felt fake for me and mm, didn't. <laughs> yeah, was there ever one in specific that you felt like, like when you would go there? Because I've I've been to some networking events mm. and I feel pretty similar. <laughs> you know, I feel like uh, why why do I have to you know, do that. Like, you should be able to find me. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So when you, when you would go there, I guess what kind of things were, like, running through your brain when you were, like, younger and, and you know, trying to get your name out there? Uh, what do you mean? Like, uh, for networking events? Yeah, or, in or? networking events. Oh, when I was... Like, well, like, when you first started going to networking events. Yeah. I just walk and I see a lot of people and, you know, this immigrant kid with a big accent who still his English is strength. So, you know, I felt a little bit insecure and then, you know, hey, how are you? And then I tell the whole thing and I try to be all this myself. And then weird questions start coming back. <laughs> I mean, like, instead of me, how are you? What do you do? What are you working on? And I say, well, I mean, hold on, let me, let me talk to you a little bit. So, I don't know, I, uh, I think that I, I went there trying to do a job, trying to meet people with the possibility of that people hire me. But again, now that I'm telling you all this, I feel weird, I feel fake. I feel with, you know, like I'm here just to, not to really talk to you and have fun. It's just, mm -hmm. I'm trying to get something out of you. I mean, yeah. And again, that could be a problem. I'm not saying, you know, do what you have to do because again, Beth used to tell me that. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I mean, it's just part I'm of just my personality. I'm just trying to learn because yeah. I, I, I mean, I go through the same exact thing. I'm always, uh, when we go to, you know, social networking events, it's really hard for me to just go up to that person and, and, yeah. and know in the back of my head that I need you to hire me, <laughs> but I also need to act natural. Exactly. And, and you're going to like me for my personality, but I need to put that aside for yeah. a second and be business or be, you know, and, and it's, it's difficult. It's like, how personal should I be or how, how much business should I be? Do you want to talk about business? Yeah. Do you not? And I think a lot of it is just in the, in, in the brain of an artist and feeling like, you know, lacking that little bit of confidence that, yeah, could be. that the business person will walk up and say, I need this. Yeah. Yeah, you know, yeah. I need that. And I think that comes like over time. That's something that I'm barely being introduced to in my timeline of life. And just seeing, like, you know, sometimes you do just have to go up and absolutely, and, I agree, and talk and ask, and you, and you have your, to 
ask, you know, don't be afraid to ask. I mean, I mean, let's just, you know, let's learn from my mistakes. I mean, yes, I mean, ask, you know, go there, don't worry about it. The worst thing that can happen is somebody's going to tell you no, and that's it. But I think that, you know, there are people who are just natural. This. Mm -hmm. just They just have it. And I have seen people that are very natural at this, and when they do the job, they suck, you know? Mm. I mean, that's something else. Like, you know, they are so good that you say, oh, my God, help. And then, you know, when they, they really go yeah. and want to write that music for the score, I mean, it's a terrible score. It's yeah. really bad. You know what I mean? There are other people that are so good at what they do, so amazingly talented and just, you know, unbelievable good at what they do. They, you know, they get recognized right away and they don't have to go through the, through the whole thing. So everybody has a different story. Everybody has a different way of doing things. I mean, I mean, some people ask me, oh, so Elik, I mean, I'm 45 years old right now. And say, well, I mean, why you are not doing, you know, the next Marvel movie and something like that? I said, listen, uh, everybody half the time, you know, I feel absolutely grateful with my career. Uh, I'm doing things on my own terms as something else, you know, being able to really do things on my own terms and always having integrity for what I do. For me, that's key. I mean, just be honest, you know, I want to be, you know, very, always be somebody who is fair to everyone. Integrity in my work and my personality is so important. So listen, I mean, in six months, we can be talking about something different right now. I mean, because I feel absolutely prepared. I have my team. I have done this for so many years that right now, the only different, and, and I, th I think we were talking about this uh, before, the only different to one small project and another is the other one. Everybody knows about it. While this other independent movie, no one's ever heard of it. Mm -hmm. That's it. Because for me, the, the process, the quality of the music, everything that, you know, yeah, with these projects, you suffer more because you know the budget is so tight. So you gotta find ways. If you are gonna be able to ring an orchestra or not, or record with a small ensemble, um, with a big studio movie, what do you need? Say, so, well, I want to record in London, and I want to bring this guy and all the stuff, and I need you know this many orchestrators. So it gets a little easier, but still, 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 what is really important is the final product. You know, it's gonna be in my opinion, for me, the same process, how how I'm going to achieve to give, you know, the film and the director a very high quality score. Yeah. So, yeah. so it's the difference between the the quality aspect of it and then the exposure. Correct. You know, balancing Correct. that out and balancing not getting too, too mixed into, I need to make sure everybody sees it, you know, and more mixed into how good yeah, the I, piece of project is. What it is, is like, you don't know, you know, who's going to see it. I mean, that's something else. I mean, all, all for for yourself as a professional, make sure you do something good. I mean, make mm -hmm. sure that when you're writing that, I mean, it's going the way it's supposed to go and you are not showing a piece of crap out there. Because first, you as a professional. Second, you don't know who's going to sit down in the theater in the small film festival in New York and sit down and say, oh my, who is this guy? Your name is going to be there. I mean, Elie Alvarez, Musica. And it turned to be, you know, this guy is such a huge director coming with the next best film. So you never know, yeah. never know. And everybody, you know, like I know, I have a lot of friends that uh, went to college with me that some of them they are not even working in music because they just couldn't afford. And some of them, you know, scoring the biggest project out there. How they did it, they had their own way. I mean, they they decided like, you know. What I want to do, I'm going to find uh, this big composer. I'm going to start working as an assistant for him for the next five, six years until I'll get my break. 
totally valid. I mean, that's perfect. And some of them have achieved that, you know, very quickly by, okay, I'm going to deal with the long hours and getting the calls at 3 a.m. in the morning and doing really what I want to do. And there you go. That's, that's the reward. I did that for like one year and say, mm -mm. <laughs> I'm going to do my own thing. I'm going to do my small projects and take it step by step and try to do it on my own terms. I mean, there is no, I, I don't want to say my way is better than the other. Everybody has their own way to try to, you know, sneak in and get what they want. So, mm -hmm. Well, for me, I, when I see, when I see you and your body of work and then the location that you work at and like, for me, it's just my goal to have something like that. And so, you know, looking at all the things that you've done and, and the small successes and the big successes, um, I kind of wanted to touch on the topic of the podcast, which is Shut Up and Fail. And for those of you guys that don't know what it is, it's, you know, those moments that people are really loud and they're sharing their their Ferrari or their Bugatti. And, you know, it's like the that... All of that really took somebody being like to shut up mm -hmm. and go in and fail, you know, fail every day and, and work hard and kind of slow, slowly go up. Um, but I feel like a lot of people right now on Instagram are, you know, renting something and then showing it and saying, I'm so loud and successful. Mm -hmm. And so I'm trying to preach the opposite to shut up and fail. And so I want to kind of dive into some of your failures throughout the projects that you've done. Um, do you have any failure in specific failure? Um, quote unquote, that you wanted to kind of talk about or shed some light on? Absolutely. As you know, I mean, and, and this is the theme of your podcast, you know, without failure, it's not going to be any success. I mean, for me, that's impossible. I mean, you got to be really lucky, really lucky that the first time that you try, big success. And even if that happened, I will probably guarantee that, you know, if you try the first time and you have your huge success, that success is going to bring you some failure and then success and failure, you know, like uh, everybody has seen those graphics, like, you know, uh, goals and success and you think it's just a straight line. It's just all over the place, come back and fail and things like that. I mean, it's, uh, it's of course, uh, tough to pick one, but uh, one that I think that this is, this is very interesting. I mean, it's not really a failure. It's more a frustration when you do uh, small projects and you spend months and hours and you start writing 7 a.m. in the morning and finish at 10, 10, 30, and you're writing fantastic music, something like, oh, my gosh, this is great, you know, for a TV series. And, and actually, I could be very specific, you know. I mean, if, for example, you know, you know that I've been writing for Yu-Gi-Oh! since 2003, and it's a successful series. It is. I mean, mm -hmm. and people know about it, and still we're doing it, and, you know. But what goes behind musically over there is very tough. It's extremely complex. And I always say, if, if you take what I've been doing on that and put it with a real orchestra, but we don't have, have budget for real instruments, real orchestra. It's just a small cartoon, you know. Successful franchise, but it's a small cartoon. Uh, it will, I mean, it will be the score of one of those big movies. So I think that I always felt like, oh my gosh, I mean, you know, how many years doing this? And yes, I mean, there is some financial retribution for those. Uh, but I feel like where my music is going, where it's all these 
thing that is happening in my brain and all the hours putting together beautiful melodies or dramatic melodies, huge battles and things like that, that I know that if this was something else and from here I can take and, you know, to record in, in, uh, in Abbey Road in London and then show in theaters because, oh my God, this is fantastic. So I've never got the recognition. And, you know, by the way, this is a team of composers, like, you know, work together. It's not only me for you, you know, four or five composers. They have come and gone. I think the last one is only three that uh, from the original Yu-Gi-Oh! And what will have happened, you know, if this actually were something else? So it's just, there is some frustration on that kind of stuff when you do something really good and no one listens to that. And it's happened to me many, many times. Yu-Gi-Oh! is an example. Um, that movie that I told you in 2009, and when it came out, La Virgen Negra, Venezuela film, I mean, I saw, oh my God, this is score, like, you know, and, and, I, and again, being humble, but being realistic, this came out pretty good. It's, you know, it's fresh, it's unique. I was able to combine traditional Venezuelan instrument with an orchestra with uh, Lisbeth Scott, which is, uh, she's a dear friend of mine. She's also the singer of Munich, all those big film scores and things like that. Nothing happened. Nothing happened with that score. Nothing. No, I won one award in a small film festival and that's it. So... Maybe, as you, you say, fail, failure. I mean, it's just part of the gig, part of the learning process. And, you know, um, another one that was doing a, um, a pilot for a Disney show, which I said, oh, my God, this is really going to catapult me somewhere else after this. And it happened that the pilot that I was doing, somebody else, and what Disney has requested to to, you know, to bring two ideas. So I was working with this director and another director was pitching the same idea for an animated project. And, you know, I met with the people at Disney. They, you know, sat down. I actually did that with my good friend, Freddie Scheinfeld, another composer. Uh, it was a collaboration between he and I. And we sat down, you know, with the music supervisor. You guys, this is unbelievable. This is great. I said, oh my gosh, we got this. I mean, now we're, and this was like 2004, 2005, just was a starting, I said. This is it. I mean, if we put our, you know, floor into Disney, we're signing contract with them for the pilot. Oh my gosh. I mean, I still was living in my apartment in Highland Park, uh, where my my studio was in my bedroom. <laughs> I have my bed, I wake up and then you sit down over there and write music <laughs> and then go on. I mean, you know, that's what it is. I mean, that's where my studio was. Uh, and that was in two thousand four? Two thousand and four. You didn't have all this. I mean, you, I mean people kind of see, but I have my room here and the recording room, my partner who is a music producer and engineer has their own room, but you know, this uh, you know, we've been working hard to get all this. But at that point it was like that. I said, okay, this is it. You know, what happened is like they chose the other show. And that's it. And I got the call for the director. Unfortunately, I mean, it wasn't really my fault. I mean, yeah. I wrote the music. It just, you know, the decision maker saying it's not that show. That show is still going on. So. so, how did you feel in that moment that they said, pick the <laughs> this, other one? This <laughs> uh, let's move on. Interesting story about that is like um, the director is, is, a, is, is a friend of mine. I never worked with him again. No, no, because anything. I mean, he, he came here like, probably four or five months ago. But all the projects that he's been doing, they uh, hasn't done to do anything with what I do. You know, it's more about songwriting. I'm not a songwriter. I mean, I can write a song, but that's not my specialty. You know what I mean? I'm, I collaborate with songwriters. So, you know, he had more composer who is like more into the guitar thing and mm. writing songs and things like that. So you could say, you know, yeah, it's a failure because I may spend all this time and all that. But man, it's part of the gig. How'd you, how'd you handle it? 
now move on honestly and you know with many things in my life like that i mean i just move on it's next that's how you have to end next it's gonna what's be another next? opportunity next what's next is you know another opportunity is gonna come i'm gonna keep you know knocking the door until i get it i mean and that's it i mean there's you know you gotta be persistent you gotta keep going and going and going until you know what you want to happen if you want it really 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 bad eventually it's gonna happen you just need to ask you know like you are healthy and then in many ways healthy physically mentally the rest you can handle you know life is gonna throw you many curves you know i mean and this is talking about profession but my family my kids and then you know money and then you know we need to pay for school and now the kids you know he want to be a professional tennis player and so oh my gosh all these classes i mean many things and then my mom that she needs help i mean that's life you just deal with it deal with it and just move on uh and and never quit i mean one one, one thing that i always say to people is like you want to quit today what happens is the opportunity is coming tomorrow just wait one more day one more day just wait you see i mean oh man i can't this is it I mean, I, you know, I'm broke. I mean, and one more chance. Maybe tomorrow is coming. Of course, you got to be, you know, wise enough to just make decisions when to, you know, as a success, you know, it's not a straight line. I mean, so you got to, okay, let me just go here and then do this so then I can come back to this. Maybe I just need to focus on this for a certain amount of years and then I'll come back to this one to see now what's going to happen. But, you know, if you have a north and a goal, uh, it should happen. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm a firm believer that if you it work every happen. single day on it. Yeah, 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 of course. You all you keep working as you are doing. I it, think right? I need I needed that. I need that like every single day of the week of you know don't quit today because tomorrow, yeah. that opportunity is gonna be there. I read what you're doing and all the things you're putting together. I it's fantastic, man. I mean, it's it's, it's it's really impressive. You know, like you know, at your age. I mean, you look and you you know seem pretty young although pretty mature and pretty you know kind of you know what you want to do with your life but because you're doing it and you're doing this mm -hmm. i mean uh yesterday um i cannot reveal many things so that's what i'm trying to say what i say somebody came who is doing uh starting to do podcast interviewing different uh artists you know similar to you but more into musicians and then uh recently he just got you know a big network to do uh, TV series about that. Wow. About, you know, he started doing exactly what you're doing, small podcast. And then somebody got, okay, I like that, so we're going to do a, a show about this. And he got signed for an A-episode series, and now he's flying everywhere and interviewing. He started interviewing small artists. Wow. Now he's interviewing the big guys right now. That's the goal. Even if something doesn't happen, I always look at this podcast as, you know, I did, I did a little bit of school, but not, not as much. And so I feel like anytime I interview people, mm -hmm. this is free schooling. Yeah. I get yeah, to, yeah. I get to talk to industry professionals or even people that are starting out, talk about the frustrations and seeing what's going on so that I can take that shortcut. Yeah. You know, I hear from Smart. you and, and <laughs> I write the notes, I put it down and then I try to see what I'm doing and I apply it. Yeah. You know, it's just the same thing as hearing a, a professor speak. No, smart, man. I mean, the, what you're doing is, um, I applaud that. Very, very cool. I mean, look at this. Beautiful setup, so yeah, <laughs> and you're you. doing it a professional way. That, that's important. I mean, because uh, and uh, I'm a true believer. Like you know, if you are professional, you're good at what you do, and you really take it seriously, and with a lot of respect, things is gonna start progressing. You know, mm. I mean, that doesn't that doesn't mean that you cannot have fun or make a joke or whatever. Yeah, yeah let's enjoy. Or, you know, have a couple of beers after this and all that. I mean, I'm not saying that you gotta be that strict, but. Uh, 
but it's important, like, you know, when you approach two people, I mean, for example, in the way that, that, you know, we were introduced by Will Santos, one of your guests on your podcast, but right away, hey, Ellie, you know, check it out, and, you know, you can see it's well presented, and then, you know, that, that, that you are winning already right there. Quality. Quality. Now we yeah. just need the exposure. Exactly. So Expo- hopefully somebody picks it up, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So before before I kind of uh, end out this podcast, I just wanted to ask like two more questions. Sure. Um, one, if somebody was a composer out there, you know, starting out and they're like, I can't get that, you know, that next thing, what kind of advice would you give them? Yeah. Uh, well, similar to what you just said. I mean, I will say like try to see what other people is doing there, try to find out. Who are the guys, you know, for example, if, okay, I want to be a composer and he's watching a Netflix series. Oh, my gosh, who wrote that music? So you see the the credit there. How can I get in touch with that guy? So, okay, it's going to be difficult. So you write an email and I guarantee probably you're going to have any answer. Or maybe in six months you say, uh, so you, hey, by the way, we're looking for some internship in my studio. And then just go there. You know, try to, and I, this is one example, meaning like, you know, you should try to try to reach as many people as you want and learn from the people that are already doing it. And uh, even if you went to school, I mean, I went to Berkeley College of Music and did the whole film scoring pro. When I came here, I thought that I knew, come on, man, when I start seeing the real thing, it's, it's something different. Mm-hmm. So the hand-to-hand experience and, you know, depending on how good you are and not only as a, as a, as a, as a composer, like your personal skills, you know, how you get along with people and, you know, being proactive and trying to help this composer who allows you to come to his house, his studio, whatever you want to call it, and work with him. And then you'll show them, no, I can do this. And then the opportunity may come. Or, and, and, or as I said, after one year, two years, okay, I, I know enough of this. I'm going to try to do it on my own. So I'm just going to start going to film schools because I know that I'm not going to get a big film right now and just talk to, you know, film students and say, you are, doing, are you doing a film for you? Can I do the score? Well, man, I have no money. Can you buy me, you know, uh, this mic that I need to record my guitar? And then, you know, maybe you can put us your expenses. Mm-hmm. I mean, you try to negotiate. That's something else. You got to learn about negotiate until you get an agent and sometime agents, you know. <laughs> Uh, but, uh, uh, you know, find ways, find ways, like, you know, just see what they're doing, who's they're doing and how you want to do it. And, you know, if you feel ready to start scoring, uh, go to where people is looking for compulsors. And at the same time, if you don't feel there, you're ready and somebody offer you a movie, do it. Don't worry. Don't say no. <laughs> I'll do it. Can you have you? Do it? Yeah, sure. I've done this. Then figure it out. Say, you know, I have this film because it happened. That happened many times. Like, you know, for example, you are, you know, long-time friends, and then you become a filmmaker. It happened that I'm a composer. And then Ellie can do the film, you know. You don't even are calling me because I know what I'm doing. You're calling me because we're friends. So if you, if I, man, first time I've never done a film, yeah, can you do it? Of course. <laughs> Figure it out because Figure that may be your first one. And then after that, you know, you... you and the thing with the figure it out uh, thing concept is like, if you are good, you are gonna figure it out. I mean, you're gonna find a way to make it good because I mean, you are taking a risk to. Oh my gosh, this is crazy! How can I do this? I mean, this is impossible. Huh? I feel like that's how I am with uh, with a lot of my clients right now. You know, it's like, can you do this? Can you do this film? Can you do that? Can you do this? And I'm like, yeah. Can you record the audio? Yeah. 
and I just, you know, you just kind of figure it out. And that's just like, I think that's super important for, for people starting out yeah. right now. My, um, my brother, he's focusing on, um, audio engineering. Okay. And right now he's just looking, searching, searching for advice. And I think that's what, that's one of the biggest key things is just yeah. go towards it, find out who's doing it, find out what's, what's going on, how it works. And just raise your hand if somebody if somebody asks, and and always ask the questions like, "Hey, I got a question." Exactly. I'm here. I'm here. That's Hello. Uh, that's very good. Ask questions. Yeah. Ask questions. I never was actually very good about asking questions. I don't know why, because I think that I kind of hide myself. Okay, I'm gonna look for myself and find my way in and things like that. But asking questions is always good. And you know, I have a a couple of interns and people that have worked uh, here in the studio. Like they just. Ask me, Eli, this may sound weird for something. Can I sit down and watch you compose? And say, yeah, sure. I mean, and they just sit down in, in the corner of my studio with a with an old book. And then, honestly, sometimes I can be, you know, watching. And then they just sit there. And then, you know, it's a, well, if you want to ask me a question, but they know that when to do it because I'm mean, maybe just trying to figure out if it's a puzzle you want to run for music you're putting different pieces together to see what works best so you may be into that process I don't want anybody asking questions at that point mm-hmm. but you know so, so do you, oh yeah why you do that and things like that why you're repeating this part so many times why you just delete everything that you did and why you didn't try and things like that so I mean if you get the opportunity to do something like that to sit down and see how others make it happen that, that that that's very valuable. So, but you know, for example, uh, for that inter, you know, he came here and he presented himself, and you know, believe I remember the email. I mean, you're never gonna regret meeting me. I felt very confident. Said, okay, cool. And then you know, little by little, he was helping out, organizing things, and cleaning things. No, because I know you know I'll help you out to you know wash the dishes. Don't worry about it and things like that. I mean, he wasn't like. I just say that in English. I forgot, you know, like... Uh, Maybe I'll know it in Spanish. Uh, <laughs> I was, Spanish? Yeah, of course, yeah. but I was ready to say a Venezuelan oh. one, that you won't understand. <laughs> no, uh, not that. Uh, when somebody's, like, trying too hard, maybe uh, trying too hard to impress you. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, that kind of stuff. He wasn't being like that, but, you know, little by little, and then, you know, some, he comes here and sit down, and sit down over there, and when I'm, you know, doing big projects and while recording with an orchestra... And, you know, he's there, and every time he's going to get better, you know, because yeah. he's seeing how things are done, at least the way I do it. Yeah, I'm not saying that's my so important. Yeah. So important. And then another question I had was, if you can, this one's kind of a hard one for a lot of the podcast viewers, but I like to, or for a lot of the guests, I like to ask it before we finish it out. Um, if you can summarize your entire career in one word, what would that Persi- word be? Persistent. I mean, uh, just came out like that. Maybe more of a persistence, I guess. Persistence. Yes. <laughs> I like yeah, that. It's, it's, it, it, I think it's, you know, yeah. I mean, could, like, we could start writing a list of, you know, like passion and, you know, joy and things like that. But a persistence is so important. You know, so important. To, Did you already know the question? No. No? Okay. No, I mean. Uh, that was the quickest anybody's answered. No, because, I mean, I knew where you were coming. Yeah. You know, if you can summarize, you were like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it just came like that. <laughs> but wow. I didn't know the question. Persistent. I promise. That's <laughs> a really good one. Um, and then anything else you wanted to say? Anything else you want to say to anybody or any of the viewers or even just your links? Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, first, again, Woody, thank you so much for this uh, podcast. I told you that, you know, I have a lot of fun talking about this kind of stuff. It's just, like, fun to 
kind of remember and also you know sometimes i just don't have time to talk about these things and i love to you know yeah this is what it is and and you know sometimes like my friends are tired of listening oh hell yeah we know you do music for film you know let's talk about something else go and play tennis or whatever so it's always good to you know some somebody come and ask this kind of question and and you know i hope your viewers find this interesting and uh who knows, maybe some people who are working in music right now say, oh my gosh, did I have a career, you know, writing um, music for film on TV? And, uh, you know, I will say, listen, uh, uh, for us musicians, uh, it's not easy, but it's not impossible, you know. Always there is that uh, part of, am I going to be able to make money? Man, I want to be, you know, like being tied all the time i'm telling you i mean sometimes i'm tired sometimes it's good maybe because i mean this is a business that goes up and down say oh my gosh if i were a doctor or a lawyer that kind of (laughs) stuff but uh but i think that the reward of making money with what you really love i mean you can't beat that i mean it's just so important just like you know spiritually it's gonna it's gonna give you everything i mean you're truly gonna be happy because it happened to me that this is my hobby. You know, I mean, if uh, if I was a lawyer or a doctor making a lot of money, I would be trying, you know, I have my huge studio at home and, you know, trying to do this. So it's just good when you make that decision and say, you know what, I'm all in. I don't care. I mean, I believe in myself. I'm going to do it. And I just, you know, going to go and just make the thing happen. So... Specifically speaking about music for film and TV, I mean, it's super fun and it could be lucrative, as I said, and I explained why, you know, the many avenues that uh, this career has is very competitive. But I will say, you know, do it. I mean, go for go for I mean, no, no, no fear, no fear, all in, all in. And uh, you believe yourself again, if uh, you're lucky enough, like all of us to be healthy, uh, the rest is on your hands. Yeah. I love it. That was such a great way to end it. Yeah, thanks. So man. thank you guys so much for watching. And thank you, Alec, for being on the podcast. It was an amazing way to end out season one, podcast number 20. The next season is going to be all female artists and entrepreneurs. So stay tuned for that. And then I'll go ahead and link in all the stuff, all of his links and stuff down in the description. Um, other than that, thank you. Seriously. Thank you. Thank you. This is great, man. Congratulations and all the best luck to you. Okay. All right. Good.